Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for Acts chapter 8. This is our last chapter in Acts. I'll read the heading first. Paul is unharmed by a viper's bite. He heals the sick in Melita. He preaches in Rome, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So remember in our last episode, uh, Paul is in a shipwreck and they all escape uh, to the island or to land anyway. So we'll go ahead and start there. Verse 1, And when they were escaped, when they knew that the island was called Melita, that's today it's called Malta, and the barbarous people, these are non-Greeks or Latin speakers, showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom thou hath, whom though he hath escaped to see, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Orson Pratt said, They shall take up serpents, or if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. This promise of our great Redeemer was also made to every creature in all the world who should believe the gospel. The use of this miraculous gift was to preserve life in case any believer should accidentally be bitten by a poisonous serpent, as Paul was, or should unintentionally swallow a deadly poison, as the sons of the prophets did. In 2 Kings chapter 4, Jesus promised that it should not hurt them. When the Israelites were bitten by poisonous serpents, they were healed by simply looking at a brazen serpent, which the Lord commanded Moses to raise up in the wilderness, so the believers in Christ can prevail against deadly poisons by simply looking to him in faith, for Jesus cannot fail to fulfill his promise to the believer. Verse 7, In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, this is dysentery, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary." And after three months we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was cast with was Castor and Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days, and from thence we fetched a compass, or went around, or took a circuitous route, and came to Regium. And after one day the, sound wind, the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Putioli, where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. 
And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed against nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, had I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee that what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against." Satan follows a set set plan. Always his pattern is the same. Paul's Christianity and Joseph Smith's Mormonism, the two being the same identical system of salvation, are everywhere spoken against. And this very fact is one of the great evidences of their truth and divinity. There is no occasion for all false churches to unite against any sect, as they are pleased to designate the true religion, unless the object of their distaste is in fact the religion of heaven, unless it is that sect which bringeth salvation to men. That was by Joseph Smith. Verse 23, And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning until evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they, had, when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, Well spake the Holy Ghost by Esaias the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people... And say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are full of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears. I I didn't read that right. And their ears are dull of hearing, not full of hearing, and their ears are dull of hearing. And understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they will and they will hear it. Though Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, in each city he went first to the Jews, and thereafter to the Gentiles. 29. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Luke concludes his record with Paul and a Roman guard in the greatest Gentile city. This was an important time for letter writing. It is thought that the books of Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, and Hebrews were written during this two-year period. Imprisoned from about 61 AD to 63, Paul was released and later wrote his epistles to Titus and Timothy. So his ministry is far from over as the narrative ends. What we really want to know is what happened to Paul in the closing moments of his life. Tradition states that he was beheaded in Rome by the order of Nero, but we wish we knew more. Paul's arrival in Rome brings the reader to the end of the book of Acts, but not necessarily to the end of the life of the apostle. Luke concludes, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. 
Why doesn't the account continue? If Paul had lost his case and his life before the emperor, an account of his martyrdom would have been a most appropriate seal for his testimony and ministry. However, he must not have died at this time. Neither Felix nor Festus nor Agrippa deemed Paul guilty of crime, let alone worthy of death. Furthermore, Paul is rather optimistic about his own future in the so-called prison epistles written during this time from Rome. A number of other evidences hint that Paul was acquitted and traveled for some time before another imprisonment and death. Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus do not fit into the chronology of Acts and therefore must have been written later. From these epistles, one notes that Paul visited Ephesus, Miletus, Troas, Corinth, Nic- Nicopolis, and Crete. The prison epistles show that Paul also intended to travel to Philippi and Colossae if he, had, if he was acquitted. In Romans 15, Paul writes of a planned trip to Spain and Clement, bishop to Rome at the end of the first century AD, spoke of Paul traveling to the limits of the West, which would certainly refer to Spain. Tradition is substantially uniform, however, in stating that sometime in the later part of Nero's reign, Paul was executed in Rome. Behind him, he left the rich treasures of his epistles and the record of his faithful friend Luke, which portrays an example of of devoted service and missionary zeal than that 20 centuries of time have only burnished brighter. That was by Griggs. Acts 28 is a tribute of the great apostle to the Gentiles. As the narrative of Paul's ministry comes to an end, we are struck by his unparalleled diligence. Perhaps the best epilogue to the book of Acts was written by Paul himself. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there shall there is laid up for me a crown of, he- of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. May those of us who have been asked to endure so much less be inspired by Paul to do more, so that in our final moments we may also confidently declare, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. President Kimball said, I have a great admiration and affection for our brother Paul, our fellow apostle. He was so dedicated, so humble, so straightforward. He was so eager, so interested, so consecrated. He must have been personable in spirit in spite of his problems, for the people hung on unto him with great affection when he was about to leave them. I love Paul, for he spoke the truth. He leveled with people. He was interested in them. I love Paul for his steadfastness, even unto death and martyrdom. I am always fascinated with his rec- recounting of the perils through which he passed to, to teach the gospel to members and non-members. And uh, that was in 1969. So that's the end of the section here. That's the end of chapter, and that's the end of the book of Acts. We will see you next time. Come back. Bye.